And how do you do, sports fans of the Rio Grande Valley? And welcome to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. My name is Ray Silva, and I am the host. Don't forget, the podcast can be heard on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and on Google Podcasts. But if you listen through Spotify, I'll have two different poll questions concerning the sports world in the Rio Grande Valley. Now, I've had some other polls be answered, and here are some of the following poll questions that are out there. This A, the student referendum pass for UTRGB, yay or nay? And B, what does the Western Athletic Conference do as far as their crazy and wacky realignment situation? But moving on to this week's guest, he is one of the co-hosts of the Down in the Valley podcast. He is the founder of the Tip of Texas Sports Network. I would like to welcome in Mr. Jacob Young. Jacob, how are you? How are, uh, welcome aboard. Nice to have you on again. Uh, yeah, great to be back. Uh, doing pretty well. Uh, looking forward to talking some soccer, especially after this crazy weekend of sports as well. So yeah, it should be fun. And Thank you for joining in. I appreciate you stopping by on such a pinch hit notice, but I do wanted to ask you, man, what a crazy 24 to 48 hours. Pinch us if we never saw this coming. RGVFC pulling out a road victory in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, it's something special. You hope that you see I'm I mean I I will tell you one thing I had my doubts at the end of the season for sure and RGVFC all of a sudden came into playoff form that's all it's really honestly the best way that you can put it and all of a sudden you see Wilmer Cabrera kind of switching these tactics and we're all of a sudden attacking from you know the last home game to now and it's just it was special it, nothing more than just special. You know, to me, this isn't, it's a little bit shocking in the way it happened, yes. But for me, I kind of felt like, I kind of, I, I wanted to foresee this coming, but I guess the alignment of, of the sequence that happened I did not see it coming in the form that it did because how do you go from like losing to not at getting two results on the road where you at least could have stolen one on the road and not put yourself in the position before you enter the playoffs. And yet you go on a three game tear, you beat New Mexico at home who was also fighting for their playoff lives. You go on the road, you beat up on Real Monarchs, who had absolutely nothing to play for. And that one was a trap game because, remember, the last time that the Toros played Monarchs, they didn't have a Leo Torres. They didn't have uh, a couple of experienced bodies in there to help them out. And then not only you come home and you beat up on El Paso, 
El Paso team that kind of struggles to play in big soccer fields. And I'm not talking about your normal baseball dimension fields. No, they got beat up in a pretty big space. Okay. And then to go on the road and beat Phoenix in extra time penalty kicks. It's like a little bit mind blowing to me because you remember at one point that this team was on a horrible, horrible slump. Now, we could have expected this horrible slump at the beginning because the team didn't have that much cohesion, that, that much strength and unity. And we could have easily missed out on the playoffs. So you kind of want to see that you now that hindsight is 2020, I kind of guess like the beginning of the season was, I guess, extended spring training. I don't know if you could uh, agree or disagree with that. I definitely see where you're coming from, Ray. Um, RGVFC were able to get off to a hot start at the start of the season and really just warm up as well. And they made teams figure out how RDVFC were going to play against it. The biggest thing was, of course, the second half of the season, RDVFC getting a couple more players and being able to play and making this this roster larger. But, yeah, like you said, at the start of the season, it, it was extended spring training because, yeah, I go, I go back to it. RDVFC allowed the San – well, not just San Antonio, but El Paso locomotive to New Mexico United. I almost say Corpus Christi, but you know, Colorado, <laughs> Colorado basically to figure out how to play against us. And it, it came down to basically that. How will RGVFC respond in that second half when those teams know how to play against us? Exactly. And, you know, I guess the one or the two bogey sites that RGV relatively struggled with was Austin, good riddance, you're gone, and Colorado Springs, who also saw a little bit of a premature exit. But to to me, I, I guess the I guess the tipping point for me of the season, if you want to like go back and look at one turning point that may have shifted everything for the Toros was the home draw to Loudoun United where the Toros had no business drawing to the one of the wooden spoon teams in the entire USL. Oh, e- easily. It was one of the most depressing games, I think, of RDVFC season. Just like you said, it's, yeah, RDVFC were in control that whole game. They score the first opening, the first go-ahead goal and then they allow Loudon United to get back into it they allowed them to RGVSC were not eating lobsters that night instead they were actually getting chased by lobsters in a sense because Loudon at some point had an opportunity to also take that lead so it was just yeah it was definitely frustrating that's dropping two points at home that you should have already had in the bag instead 
Oh, I mean, you dropped him, and now you got to fight from the back once again. And it was games like that where it made me think, is Wilmer the right fit? Are these players the right fit? What is going on in this locker room? Did we get too many superstars like Manchester United? And that's no joke because, I mean, we see how bad Man United have been playing because of that situation. So you run to that risk, and luckily for us, I mean, RDVFC were able to turn it around. But at that moment in time, it was definitely hitting the panic button. For me, you know, there were times where I really just scratched my head and, and you know, looking at all the analytics and numbers and thinking to myself, okay, if this is, if this is our decline, what, what does our real peak look like? Because there are times where soccer teams go through a little, a little declines. And I guess Wilmer, I guess was more than patient enough to allow things to, to settle in because once you bring in those new signings, uh, you have zero margin for error to a trial and test run. Where do you put these players? How do you, how do they fit your system? How do you do this? Or how do you just, just put them in. And I, I think for me, that kind of became a little bit more of a pressing point for Wilmer and something that I guess he's, I guess that we've never seen that aspect before because some coaches wouldn't even have that patience, but Wilmer did. Oh, definitely. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's just so different. We talk about it. We we've seen Wilmer coach at the highest level of MLS soccer. We've seen him coach at USL before, of course, with the Toros for one year. But it goes back to well, we saw how he was at that USL level level where you know afterwards he'd throw players under the bus. Sometimes we talked about that before, and it was just it's interesting how a man that basically felt like he had no patience with a couple of players there at Houston comes over here and has patience with the whole team is allowing them to get ready. And these players, a lot of them are, well, you know, they're veterans. And then of course you get to the young players who kind of come in and are almost at the peak of their career. And he's calm, patient. He knows what to do. He's trying to figure things out and some of them work and we go back and some of them don't. Now, of course that was in the regular season and it just, yeah, it's impressive. It was, it has been something special to watch Coach Wilmer Cabrera figure things out and make it work. It's it's crazy. Now I know you and Edson might be going more in depth in his podcast uh, called Down in the Valley, but I do wanted to get your your overall reactions about the game on on Saturday night. I mean. Mm-hmm. Just to think of it, I mean, to go up blow for blow with one of the best in the West, and you and just remember, it was a total uh, turnaround from the first time we the Toros faced them to this second time. I really gave this team a little bit of a fighting chance because if the Toros were the first team to draw blood there was going to be a sense of nervousness from Phoenix and 
And boy, I was not wrong. Yeah, no, you weren't. I remember walking out of the stadium after El Paso, and I was telling uh, Edson how we how RTVFC were able to play against El Paso makes me think we have a shot. Makes me think will RTV have a shot against uh, Phoenix if they play like this? Because this was a f- team that felt like they had nothing to lose. They were right there and. They came out of the gate swinging and sure and well, literally kicking. And well, they got they got the win there by a lot. And so then, of course, looking at the results throughout the week for a couple of games, Oakland Roots beating El Paso Locomotive, me thinking there's a real opportunity. And then RGVSC being able to strike first, one goal being called offside, which I mean, it's it's a tough call. It could have. I think he was actually onside, but I think we'll get into that, like you said, on Wednesday. Um, it's just, yeah, that first blood was big. That first goal, and then, yes, that foul in the second goal, or that on the first goal for Phoenix, could have been avoided. But I think it's it's okay to have that there due to the fact, well, he's just given up a free kick and it's a tactical foul. So just going through there and being able to keep with it, all Phoenix fans can say whatever they want, and even Toros fans can say whatever they want about the penalty. I, for one, thought it was a penalty. Um, And that tied it up. And then it just gave RGVFC confidence to say, we got this. For me, as I saw the play develop, I'm all like, the first thing that came to my mind when Vicente Sanchez entered field was Chenton's going to be Chenton. Yep. What do I mean by that in English? Sanchez is going to be Sanchez. Yep. And you figure out why the guy has had such a phenomenal career on the international level, whether it be with Schalke, with Toluca, America, kind of enjoys being on the spotlight and he pretty much gave a little lesson to to american soccer players in the second division like hey this is how you grit and grind out a win on the road yeah (laughs) he was he was fantastic he always brings speed and that's why i like him as a substitute because he just brings life to a field or to a team that, you know, might be tired and feeling like they're done. You know, they've given it everything, but when they're still, what, 20 minutes left on, on the field at least, and they might be down a goal or something like that. And so it's, he brings life to the field and it's, it's great to watch him play. And it was definitely great. Now I didn't catch the game. I watched the highlights multiple times uh, today and yesterday, but I can tell you one thing. He's, it's It was still a breath of fresh air to see him back out onto the field and just seeing how well he could actually develop some some things. And Hey, helped out RGVFC in the long run. I hope you and Edson talk more about this more extensively. Uh, I'll bring up the first topic here. The return of Elvis Amo. Yes, he saw some limited minutes against El Paso, but I felt like his total contribution to this playoff game and now 
I hope I can get some clarification, but if the game-winning PK for MO stands as him getting the actual game winner and him getting the goal, he would now be tied with Carlos Small with the overall franchise leader for goals scored in a single season. Yeah, that that'll definitely be something if that comes comes true, basically, is what you're saying. Yeah, that would be nice to, of course, know some clarification on that for sure. I, I think he deserves it. The way that he's been able to develop as a player this season after coming back from injuries, that's the biggest thing is as a soccer player, we, we've seen that and how tough can you be coming back out and just, you know, for this team, give him the iron player award, you know, basically the toughest player out here award because coming back from in, injuries left and right, nursing something, and then still being able to play how you play before you left is just impressive in itself. So a really good job from a Mo and, no matter if it doesn't stand, I, just, I believe it should stand because him scoring that goal and him running up to the fans, or not fans, but the players, just that's going to be a memory in club history forever. And now point number two, and this one's going to be more controversial than my first point. Do you write the hot hand of Colin Miller over Tyler Derrick against San Antonio? Ooh, it, it's tough because both have been phenomenal. We have backup keepers that are amazing. It, it's definitely tough because the last time we did see Tyler Derrick play, he did get he did get hurt. Um, it, it, it's tough. I I see where you're coming from, and I. I think, I think you keep Miller in. Uh, the only reason why I say you keep Miller in is because, well, you don't change what's broke. Maybe do just for San Antonio's sake, because maybe Colin Miller, San Antonio FC will get into his head. Maybe that's the only reason why you put in Tyler Derrick. But other than that, I mean, both are fantastic. But Colin Miller, I think at the moment, just has the upper hand. As I'm being joined by Jacob Young of Tip of Texas Sports Network, you know, I'll give you my response on that. I think you stick with Miller. I really do think you do. Because I feel like he's played enough games professionally where he kind of deserves a little bit of the spotlight. Now, do you now, for me, if they start Tyler Derrick, I will make no arguments because he's been on that stage before. So I cannot argue, but I mean, I mean, I don't have a true answer as to who will start, but you got a little bit of a controversy going on there. And, and that hope, and, and I hope you and Edson can just dive in on that for a good 15, 20-minute segment. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe even, hey, maybe Harry will jump onto the show too, give his thoughts on that. Who's that guy? <laughs> As I'm being joined closet, by the closet Toro fan. <laughs> At least for Saturday night, I guess he was. Yeah. As I'm being joined by Jacob Young. Jacob, I gotta ask you, you know, being being able to see uh I guess the overall progress of the team. Um are you now sold on the idea that that this team it peaked in the in the right moment? Oh, for, for sure. I, I think Maybe I would have liked to see it one game before, but other than that, they really did peak at the right moment. You are talking about just perfect perfect tactics almost. I mean, yeah, you want shutouts maybe, but against the top team, you you just we always talk about it in any type of sports, you want to start to get on a hot streak right before playoffs. You want to play your best football soccer baseball basketball right before that playoff mark because it gives you so much momentum it gives you so much confidence as a player and as a coach that you're doing something right that just it works perfectly so definitely i definitely do think they peaked at at the correct moment because without that without the win against new mexico united I mean, their their playoff hopes are obviously over, but just without a couple of key victories before then too, to get confidence kind of going, you got no playoff team, and this is a very very disappointing season. Instead, you've got maybe a chance for well, yeah, a chance for maybe a conference title and. I know we're just heading into the conference semis, but you never know. And a chance to potentially host a conference championship if Oakland Roots make it. I'll have to check on, you know, records and all that, but it, it would be really cool to see a whole city, a whole county, or, you know, just, just yeah, a whole the whole valley behind them. That would be something to just be amazed by you know you bring up Oakland and how they beat up El Paso but you talk about like two different starks of playing fields between Oakland and El Paso Oakland has to play on the turf football field and El Paso has to play in the diamond and to see El Paso lose the way they did kind it kind of makes me want to wonder like how early that the mountain division did peak for both Colorado Springs and mm-hmm. El Paso, being that those were two teams that were knocked out. How did the the top seeds uh, get knocked out so early? For me, I think those two teams peaked a little early. Yeah. I definitely see that. And I just think that's when you saw the downfall, the decline of San Antonio. That's when you saw the decline of RDFC 
is when those teams started to get better was because of that. You felt like they were the best teams in the league. Record can show anything, but the play style for the visiting team or the opponents shows the whole picture. (laughs) It's kind of true. It's just, yeah, I don't think RDVFC were playing their best when they played against El Paso. Um, not not El Paso at home, but El Paso on the road when they got to play them again. And same goes for when they played against Colorado Springs and got destroyed at home. Uh, that was in RDVSC slump. That was, you know, Colorado when they were able to win a lot of those big games. I think that was when the teams weren't at their at the top. And that kind of proved it with, you know, Oakland Roots winning with uh, San Antonio being able to win as well. Um, just, I mean, different things like that really played factors into how everybody or every team would fall into place in the standings. Now the very last one, I know uh, we are finished talking about RGVFC and their magical playoff run, but I did want to ask you, I mean, you're a big racing guy. Just wanted to get your thoughts on Kyle Larson uh, winning 10 races during the season and ultimately clinching the championship. Uh, I think, well, Phoenix did a good job in hosting that championship. It was very close. The best car won the title. Don't get me wrong. That man has a ton of talent. No matter how he got that ride, it's still impressive. Martin Truex Jr. was there. I don't think the lap car played too much of a factor as I thought the first time. Congratulations to him. We'll see if Hendrick's that good next season, but for sure they were that good this season, and he was on an island all by himself, for sure. Um, I know winning 10 races, that's one better than Kevin Harvick did a year ago, where even Kevin Harvick didn't win the championship. So... Yeah, it's good to see the best car winning the title for NASCARs just for for the series in general. And that whole weekend was fantastic as well with the truck series and the Xfinity series for first time champions. So very cool indeed. And well, yeah, you got another first time champion with Kyle Larson. So how about that for three for three? Yeah, and let's not forget, I mean, Hendricks Motorsports has a a nice long history of winning some championships dating back to the Jeff Gordon and Jimmy Johnson eras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The new kid on the block, Jeff Gordon and that rainbow warrior winning that title over Dale senior, if I'm not mistaken in the Winston cup era. So, yep. and then Jimmy Johnson winning seven straight. So will Kyle Larson do that? Only time will tell him that's, it's very exciting. Absolutely. Want to give a major thanks to Jacob Young of the dip of the Texas sports network jacob where can they find you on social media uh for sure on twitter you can find me at jacob young 456 and also of course if you look on facebook for the tip of texas sports network and also find them there too this has been ray silva for the south texas sports sports podcast thank you for listening Hello, sports fans. Thanks for listening to another episode of the South Texas Border Sports Podcast. This is your host, 
Ray Sova. Be tuned next week for another great episode as we drop podcasts every Monday here on anchor.fm forward slash STBS. Don't forget, our podcast can also be found via Google Podcast, Apple iTunes, and Spotify. Thanks for listening.